Today is also another day in the church, and um, not every gathering uh, focuses on this. Uh, that is, not every gathering that's happening will focus on this. Uh, but uh, the Voice of the Martyrs uh, calls today uh, prayer for the persecuted church. And uh, I want to pray uh, for our brothers and sisters all around the world. But uh, the thing that is so interesting is I, I pray for them, uh, those who are are being killed for their faith. Those who are, who are going through um, torture and turmoil because of their faith in Jesus. As we, we pray for them, uh, I have heard that uh, they pray for us during this time. Uh, because frankly, I, as we pray for them, I want to be more like them. I want to be more bold in my faith. I want to be more firm in my faith, knowing that no matter what happens, I'm going to cling tightly to Jesus and hold tightly to him. And so I want to pray, and then uh, I'm actually going to show a video of somebody uh, and her story, um, somebody living uh, on the other part of the world. Um, Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world. We know that uh, we are a body and we're connected with them. And so when one part of the body rejoices, we rejoice. But when one part of the body grieves and mourns and suffers, we all grieve, mourn, and suffer. And so we are praying for, those, uh, for our brothers and sisters in parts of the world where they are being persecuted, they're being killed, they're being tortured for their faith in you, Jesus. I pray for those who are right now in captivity, those who are being tortured, God, that your peace would fill their souls, that they would hold tightly to you, that they would hunger and thirst for you. God, I pray for their accusers, those ones who are uh, torturing them or bringing harm on them. I pray for those Saul-like conversions, that the scales of their eyes would be lifted and that they would see you, Jesus, for who you are. But I pray for strengthening for our brothers and sisters. But I also pray for a massive move of your spirit where the hardest hearts would come to know you, Jesus. Those who are blind to you, that they would see you for the first time. God, I pray for a strengthening of your church, that we would not waver, but that you continue to grow us up in maturity, that we'd be firmly rooted and planted in you, Jesus. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Well, check out this story of a woman named Rebecca. Rebecca. I live in the north of Nigeria. One evening I was out with my daughter and on our way home we saw smoke rising above our village. We were under attack. There was nothing we could do to defend ourselves. in that village. My wedding day, it was the happiest day of my life. Some members of our church gave us a wedding gift. It was a Bible. We read it together every day.
And when our children were old enough, we're ready to them and their friends. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 14. On the day our village burnt to the ground, my husband and my son were killed in the attack. I was devastated. I mourned for many months. Some of us were able to return to our village to reclaim anything that was left. and revelation were burnt, but the rest was mostly intact. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a wild flower. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. I shall return there. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is a husband to all widows. I look to him for every need. This is what I am still holding on to.
I watched that video. I watched it earlier this week and I just thought, do we hunger for the word of God like that? Like, I, I am so thankful that we get to hear Rebecca's story and to see her, her clinching that, that Bible. I'm like, do we hunger for the word of God like that in such a way the word of God points to Jesus? Do we hunger and thirst for the word of God like that? Psalm 1, the psalmist says, like, I meditate on God's word day and night. Psalm 119, over and over again, David says, I, I hunger and thirst for the word of God so that will lead me and guide me. And, and do we hunger for the word like that? Do we allow the word to direct our life? Do we crave the word of God in such a way um, that's displayed on the screen this morning? I heard of a, a story of believers, brothers and sisters of ours on another part of the world that, that gather together at night and they go out into the, the remote part of the village where they're, they're not seen and they have a Bible that is buried. And they dig up the Bible, they read it together, and then they dig it, then they bury it again to hopefully read it another day. But they are willing to do that, to go out at night to the cover of night because they would be killed for their faith if, if people knew. But they so hunger for the word of God that they do that. I mean, there's a lot of things that we hunger for. There's a lot of things that we hunger and thirst for. But do we pursue those desires of our hearts like we pursue the word of God? Do we have a hunger for the word of God? I was so convicted of this this week. In reading Mark uh, chapter 4, Jesus tells a parable. And if you want to uh, turn there, uh, Mark chapter 4, this is a very uh, famous parable. You have, you, as soon as I start reading, you will know uh, this story. You'll know this parable. In Mark chapter 4, it says, Again, he began to teach besides the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So they got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in this teaching, he said to them this, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. We'll get into the explanation. And I want you to kind of forget the explanation for a little bit. Just, just put that to the side because we know the story. We know where Jesus is going with this story. But imagine being in the crowd. There's a crowd that is being formed and there are a group of people that have been changed by Jesus. They have been delivered. They have been set free. They had, have seen their lives transformed, changed by Jesus. But also in this crowd is a bunch of people who are critical of Jesus. They're trying to catch him in his every move. They're questioning him because he said that he has the power to forgive sins and they're throwing out questions at him and they're watching him heal on the Sabbath. And so they're growing very critical of Jesus. And you see that there's both people represented in this crowd. You have those who have been changed and those who are critical of Jesus. And imagine yourself in that crowd. You're sitting there and you've heard of Jesus. You heard of the miracles that he did. You, you heard of his teaching. You're like, this is your moment. You're in that crowd and he is on a boat so that he won't get squished and he is about to teach. 
And he says this, he said, a, a farmer came and he, he sowed some seeds in his field. And this is actually what a field looks like. This is uh, Jesus using a modern day example to say like, this is, this is what a field looked like. Piper, you got that picture? There it is. Like that's a field. That doesn't look like West Michigan fields, but that's the type of field that he was talking about. And he said, a farmer came and sowed some seed in the field. Some fell upon, on the path, some fell upon a rock, some fell amongst the thorns, Others fell upon some good soil and bear fruit. And then he said, to those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Now, we know what the explanation is, but imagine being in that crowd. People would have been like, huh? What's he talking about? What? They, they would have went like right over his head. Like, this is your moment, and then Jesus, like, shares this, and you're like, oh, I thought this guy was, like, a gifted teacher, like, miracle worker. Like, I don't get it. He just throws some seeds, and, 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 and that's just his story. And, like, he says, those who can hear, let them hear. Why did Jesus do that? See, I think too often we get to these parables, and we think, like, maybe growing up in church, like, parables are these stories, these, these short little stories that, uh, earthly stories that communicate a heavenly meaning, and they're easy to understand. But that's not what Jesus says about parables, Look at what he says about parables. Imagine yourself in the crowd. And he says this in verse 10. When he was alone, after he said that, those who were around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. See, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying everything that he says in parables, he says like with an invitation to press in, to, to really understand what he is saying. There is always this invitation of Jesus. He'll, he'll throw things out. He'll say things and kind of leave, leave it unended so that people have a hunger and a thirst, so that people seek Jesus. See, Jesus, this crowd was following him. This crowd was growing, but it was never about the crowd for Jesus. It was always about those who were willing to give up everything to follow him. Those who were committed. Those who counted the cost to become a follower of Jesus. And there's always this invitation into greater relationship. And Jesus is saying, will you seek me? Will you knock? Will you ask? Will you hunger and thirst for me? I just think like that is, that is like the foundation. And we'll see like this is Christianity 101. The very foundation is that Jesus wants to have a people who are hunger, hunger, hungry, who, are, who hunger and thirst for him. Who seek him with all that they are. Matthew 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. It's this picture of constant asking and seeking. The people that Jesus responds to all throughout the Gospels are those who like really pursue him and seek after him. I think of the blind man who is yelling out to Jesus, hey, son of, you know, son of David, have, have mercy on me. Heal me. And the whole crowd is telling him to be quiet. Like, shut up. Don't, don't bug Jesus. But it said he yelled all the more and Jesus responded. Are we going to be a people who hunger and thirst after Jesus, who really desire to know him in a deep way? Because Jesus says this about the parable. He gives this explanation. We're going to go through all of these different soils. He says this in verse 13. He said to them, because they didn't get it, he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables. The sower sows the word. And Jesus starts out, he says, this is the very foundation of it all. This is Christianity 101. This is following Jesus 101. This lays everything, this sets the stage for everything else. And he says, the seed, the seed is the word of God. The seed is not your opinion. The seed is not an idea you had. The seed is the word of God. 
And the sower is the one who scatters the seed, who sows the seed in the field. In this case, it's Jesus. It can be you or I. And Jesus is saying this is, is what it's all about. Sowers sowing the seed into the field. I just think about that. Like the only thing that changes lives, the only thing that will cha- transform a heart is the word of God that is being used by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets inside of us and the word gets inside of us and he transform our, transforms our heart, this is the only thing that can transform a life. Not your opinion, not your ideas. Are we sharing this? Are we communicating this? My concern is that we are so quick to throw our ideas or our opinions to people instead of feeding them the word of God. Are we sowing the word of God into people's lives? Because it has the power to transform a heart. And so Jesus says, he goes here, these are the ones. He first talks about these seeds that are thrown along the path. He says, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. He talks about this hard path, this this path that, that represents a hard heart. That no matter how many seeds you throw on this path, none of it is getting in. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle at place, taking place. There is a battle over your soul. There is a a war being waged for your very soul. There is an enemy who is still at work and comes along the path and grabs those seeds so that they never have a chance, never have a hope of firmly planting in someone's heart. There is a spiritual battle going on for your life. And this week and every week, we have to remember that that is at at work. That is being taken place. So Jesus says this this first uh, path represents a hard heart when Satan just comes and just snatches it away. Verse 16, he says, these, this next uh, seeds, these are the ones who are sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Jesus is saying some of the seed is thrown on a a rocky soil and it it lands and it has a little bit of a soil on top of the rock, but because there is no depth there, the root can't get down uh, super deep. And so these plants, they grow up quickly. They quickly become green, but then they're quickly gone. And what causes them to go away? He says it's the, the problems in life and it's the persecution that comes. People who are being hurt for their faith in Jesus. But also, it says the problems, when tribulation comes, when, when trials come, when we get overwhelmed by life, there are people that, that give up, that fall away, all because their roots are not deep. And this is the picture of a fair weather fan. Like, I have a, so much admire or admiration for those Detroit Lions fans that have held on for so many years. Aaron, yeah, you're in the back. Like, at the beginning of the year, you're like, this is our year. This is our moment. Even though they failed you for your whole life, you are still holding on. And I'm like, that is so admirable. Like, you're, you're just going to keep holding on until like 50 years down the road, they maybe finally give you a, a, a chance, you know, of hope. But here, like in, in the Christian life, I've seen it too often. People, like, they, they spring up. They make an emotional decision, and they're like, oh, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going all in on Jesus. And then when they get overwhelmed by life, they're like, ah, oh, you didn't come through. And they, they, they give up. In 25 years of ministry, I've seen this happen so often. I've come alongside people in the, the grocery store having conversations. And I've said, how's your relationship with Jesus? Where are you at? Like, ah, I'm done with it. And they fade away. Like, why? 
Oh, the problems of life. I'm just overwhelmed. God's not working for me. It breaks my heart. Why? Because their root doesn't go down deep. It doesn't go down deep in the soil because they're built just on this rocky soil. Jesus goes on and he said, others are the ones who are sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Jesus says, there are those that are thrown among the thorns. There's things that are popping up in the soil. The soil actually, there's nothing wrong with the soil. The soil is actually producing things. There are things that are popping up. There are things that are growing. There are things that are there, but it's the thorns that are sucking the nutrients from the ground so that the seed cannot grow and bear fruit. And Jesus says, this is like the person who, who is following him, but the cares of this world, the things of this life entice them away. Look at the things that he, he says in this passage. He tells us what these thorns are. He says it's the cares of the world. They're worried about life, obsessed about how to make it in life. Instead of following Matthew 6 and not worrying, they're filled with worry. They're filled with how are they going to be clothed? How are they going to, what job are they going to have? They're overwhelmed with the situations in life. Jesus says the worries of life pull people away. The deceitfulness of riches People who have a love of money pull them, pulls them away from following Jesus. And he says the cares of this world, they choke it out. Like is this, this soil is actually the one that worries me the most. Because I think this one represents where we are at as a culture. So Western culture, we say we want to follow Jesus and we want everything that the world has to offer. And the truth is you can't have both. You're either following Jesus or you're following the world. Has the world gotten a hold of your heart? Are the cares of this life, is riches, your love of money, is it pulling you away from following Jesus? Jesus says you have to give up everything to follow him. I'm so convicted often when I read this passage, other passage in Luke 14. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Jesus tells another parable. And I think this is so clear what happens and what we need to worry about and, and be concerned about when it comes to following Jesus. Luke 14, verse 16. Jesus says, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many people. I mean, imagine that. Just this huge banquet, food everywhere, just this huge feast. And he invites many people. The invitation just is really broad. Just like, come all people, come and enjoy this big feast. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been inviting, come for everything is now ready. It's time to party. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field or in modern day language, I bought a new home and it's the home of my dreams. It's absolutely amazing. I bought a new home and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen or maybe a new car. I got the truck of my dreams and I go to examine them. And I have to go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come or relationships are getting in the way. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go and quickly, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you've commanded has been done and there is still room. Do you get that picture? 
Like this invitation that Jesus gives you and I, this invitation into a deep relationship with him, to follow him, to, to walk every day with him. He said, he's throwing this invitation out to us. But then the excuses come. Oh, I bought a house. I bought a field. Got some oxen. Oh, I, I'm married. I can't, like, I can't follow you because I have these things. Is that our heart? Are we trying to follow Jesus with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God? Because if we are, it's not going to work. Jesus says the, the thorns come and they wrap around that soil that it can produce fruit, but it chokes out that seed that is planted. And then Jesus says, in verse 20, he says, but there is good soil. There is good soil. And the soil is this, the good soil. Those who are sown among the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. doesn't matter the size, but that it just bears fruit. Here is this one soil, one out of four, where the seed gets really down deep and it starts to grow and the soil is changed and all of a sudden a plant appears and it bears fruit. This is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God, to belong to the kingdom of God. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, how do we create an environment where the seed can grow deep in our heart? How do we create that environment where the seed can grow deep, deep into our heart? I was talking with Rose this week, called her on the phone, and she uh, does an amazing job with flowers and planting flowers and, and growing flowers. And I'm like, Rose, how, how do you get the soil to produce fruit? How do you get the soil to, to grow flowers? Like, what is it that, that you do? Talk, talk to me about the process. And she said, the first thing that she does is pull weeds. Get things out of there that, that shouldn't belong there. And then especially this time of the year, she adds fertilizer. She adds chicken poop to the, to the soil. And Dan on his tractor gets the chicken poop and uh, drops it in the soil. No, Dan doesn't do it. He was saying he does that. But like, puts nutrients into the soil. And then plants seeds that will come up early in the spring. And then you think about it. There are things that are in the ground right now that are not popping up yet, but will eventually pop up. She pulls the seeds, she, or pulls the weeds, she adds nutrients, plants the seeds, and then waits. Like that's how she works the ground, the ground so that it produces flowers. I just think, what can we do to our hearts so that we can create an environment where the seed can grow deep in our heart. And Jesus is clear on the answer. He says this, here's the ones who have good soil in their hearts. They hear the word. First of all, they hear the word. What is hearing? Hearing isn't just listening, just, a, just isn't hearing like, okay, I hear some noise. Hearing is, what does it look like to really hear somebody? If you're in a conversation with somebody, what does it look like to really hear somebody? Has anybody ever been in a conversation where the person is talking and you're hearing them, but you're like, I have no idea what they're saying. I'm like totally checked out. What does it look like to really hear somebody? You put the phone down, you turn it upside down, you ask questions, you lean in. You ask clarifying questions if you don't understand something. You really press in. This is what Jesus says. If we're going to be soil that is good for the seed to be planted in our heart, we have to hear the word. And not just like hear it just like passingly, like just like, okay, I just heard the word. No, but really press in to really feed on the word of God, to really sit in a, in a relational way with the word of God and saying, Jesus, I just want to know your heart for me. Are you taking time to hear the word? In your life, are you taking time to really hear 
the word. And if you're not, if I'm not, I have to question our desire. Do we really want to know God or not? Do we really want to bear fruit, which eventually will happen? But it takes, start, it starts with hearing the word. And then second, Jesus says they hear the word and they accept it. They really hold on to it. They believe it. They believe that it's true. See, many will read this and, and say, okay, I, I, I hear what it's saying, but they don't accept it. They don't hold on to it with faith. But do we believe that Jesus and what he says really points to the best way to live? Do we believe that his words have life? Do we accept them? Do we hold on to them and, and say, like, this is my very life? And then the third thing, it says it bears fruit. They live it. If we're going to have a heart that is conducive to, to having the seed being firmly planted in there so that it produces fruit, we have to hear it, accept it, and bear fruit or live it. See, the word was never meant just to stay up here, but it was meant to be lived. Jesus says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And as we do the word, as we live the word, we start to see things happen. We start to see God take that and bear fruit. We start to see holiness form in our lives. We start to see us sharing the gospel. We start to see things happen. We start to see the fruit of the Spirit lived out in our lives. But all of this, I would say, the number one ingredient of hearing it and accepting it and bearing fruit, it all has to be led by the Holy Spirit, begging the Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts to make the Word come alive. I go back to the beginning story. Rebecca's story. Do we hunger for the word of God in that way? Are you hungering this week for the word of God to transform your lives? Are you begging the Holy Spirit to make things clear to you? Are you sitting alone with the word of God just as much as you're sitting alone with your phone? Are you filled with distractions? Are you filled with a bunch of weeds in your life that are choking out the word of God? We have, what we have is something that people actually gave their life for. People have died translating this. But more importantly, this is the word of God. The very words that come from him that equip us, that, that, that train us up so that we can be fruitful in every work. I just think too often we're not allowing it to seep down in our hearts. We're not allowing it, we're not sitting with it and allowing it to transform our lives. So what I want to do right now is I want us to stand and I want to pray for us. Tyler and the team are going to come up and lead us in one more song. But I, I would love to pray for all of us, myself included, that we would hunger for the word. And not our opinions, not our ideas, but that we would hunger and thirst for the word of God. That we would hold tightly to it. That we would allow the Holy Spirit to take it and drive it deep into our hearts. So God, that is my prayer. God, that, that like the, the psalmist, that we would hunger and thirst for you, that we would meditate on your word day and night. God, forgive us for the times where we, um, where we don't open up your word. We don't feed on your word like we should. We don't hunger and thirst for you like we should. Forgive us, Lord, for, for being um, so drawn by the cares of this world, by the deceitfulness of riches, by the worries of this life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us a fresh hunger to know you through your word. I thank you that your word is life. I thank you that your word, Father, points to your son Jesus, who is the word. 
God, just increase a passion in our lives to know you. I ask that we would not be people who are trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom because we know that doesn't work. But that we would have both feet firmly planted in you. Holy Spirit, I ask that as we spend time in your word this week, I ask that you would open up our eyes, that you would make it um, or help us to understand it better. I ask that you would reveal things to us that we haven't seen in a while. But most of all, give us a hunger for the things, not of this world, but for things of your kingdom, Father. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.